What is going on, guys? Welcome to Yoel's Hangouts podcast. I'm your host, Yoel. We are live once again. We're keeping the streak going. Don't um, forget to like and subscribe, people. Yep. Amen. Amen to that. 100%. Don't forget to like, subscribe. Um, this is probably going to be like one of the last, like I'm kind of getting sick of covering this. Yes, I'm in Israel. Uh, I want to give like different perspectives on um, the conflict and give more of like a historical or context to the conflict, especially since I'm here. I feel like I, you know, add a little bit of value, add a little bit of context. Um, but yeah, Jay Bay's in the building too. He's here, um, you know, helping out, hanging out. So uh, I got a good video to to watch. It's like, it kind of gives like a little bit of context as far as uh, the other Arab countries involved um, and what their mindset about Hamas and radical Islamists and people that may not necessarily you would want in your country, not necessarily because they're Muslim, not necessarily because they're Arab, not necessarily because they're Palestinian, but because certain behaviors, once you get these things in greater resolution, you start to realize that um, they, the, the thing about the Arab world is they know how to discern whether someone should come into their country and whether someone should not come into their country. They learn the hard way um, as well as, you know, learning from watching Europe, watching America, how we just kind of let everybody in because we feel bad. Uh, but this guy's going to give a really good, uh, really good insight into it. What would you say to people who think you're racist for saying that? Um, I would say you are entitled to your opinion. If you think I'm racist, that's okay. I'm, 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 I'm very comfortable with being called racist. It doesn't matter. What's funny is I'm black, right? So it's like, ah, oh, you know, he's black, but he's Israeli, but he's American, but you know, it's complicated. So Not really American, you know, circus. In Palestinian refugees, the onset of a. I hate Instagram. Why? Instagram's just a bad product. East taking in Palestinian refugees. The onset of a renewed war between Israel and Hamas has led to fears that millions of Palestinian people living in the Gaza Strip may be forced to become refugees. But despite the fact that Gaza shares a border with Egypt, the Egyptian government almost immediately ruled out any possibility of accepting Palestinian refugees. In fact, Egypt is currently constructing an even larger border wall with Gaza than the one it currently has in place. Now, many outside observers have asked why Egypt, a majority Arab and Islamic nation, would turn away the Palestinian people. And of course, many have pointed. I thought they were African. How are they? Ar oh, OK. No more. Well, they, they, call, <laughs> they call the Northern Africans. They call them Arabs. But what I don't understand since is since when? That's a good question. I don't know since recently. But what I don't understand is like they say um, they say oh, so loud. Was that you? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, bro. Um, they said they said uh, Egypt's not taking the Palestinians because if they take them in, um, then Israel's just going to take over that land, and then you know. Well, we're gonna. I mean, if we, we're gonna do what we want to do with it, regardless. I mean, I don't think that that's like there's any sort of uh, necessarily like that's not going to make a difference. So that's like a really that's a bad cover up for people for people that are not familiar with the conflict that aren't familiar with the Israeli military that aren't familiar with the Gaza Strip, mm -hmm. um, that excuse makes sense. And also the excuse is, oh, you know, we don't want to concede into, you know, entertaining or promoting uh, the Palestinians or Hamas, you know, giving up on the struggle. You know, we don't want to take them in, you know, go out there, guns blazing, you know, burn the bridges, you know, leave the ships. Uh, but we, I know that that's not, that's not the reality. That's not the realistic. And you got to remember, 
it's not like the border like goes into like the main city it's like the, it's yeah. the sinai it's like a big big desert but they're like no nah, we're not even gonna allow you guys to like come out here regroup so it's like a very big uh it just it, th that excuse doesn't make sense but we'll get into it pointed out that it may serve the political interests of many Arab nations to refuse to accept Palestinian refugees because it allows them to then blame Israel for any sort of humanitarian crisis that unfolds. But the thing is, which Israel will get blamed for regardless, so it doesn't matter, yeah. is historically many Arab nations have accepted Palestinian refugees, and that may be why Egypt doesn't want to now. For example, in 1991, the Kuwaiti government actually expelled nearly 300,000 Palestinians in the aftermath of the first Gulf War. And this represented an astonishing 18% of Kuwait's entire population. So what was the reason? Well, the Palestinian Liberation Organization had actually supported Saddam Hussein's invasion of Kuwait a year earlier. And this Ain't that crazy? Like, imagine being that ungrateful. Like, another country lets you in, and then you support the destruction of that country. And when I say imagine, I mean just look at America and all yeah, the woke people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, screw America. Tear that American flag down. Put up that, uh, that palace. Any flag, honestly, they're, they're okay with. I've never understood that. Like, I don't know why people aren't grateful for America. And then they feel like some people feel guilty they live in America. It's like, dude why i think it's school like in what you learn in history what you learn in like a lot of these college classes is like colonial power um mm -hmm. slavery um you know just co colonialism like that that's that, that that's uh that's the broad stroke of uh, american history and that's all they teach you i mean they can't teach you everything so there's there's already bias in what they teach you in college so yeah. and you know qatar they fund they fund uh, a lot of colleges. They their level of endowments in like major universities is insane. But hmm. even the the Chinese Communist Party. But I mean, I'm sure there's been like there's been con it's been compromised for a while. But yeah. uh, I just don't know who though. I think there. I mean, there's obviously a few pieces, but for how long it's been compromised, it just doesn't make sense. Like these communist ideologies. Um, have been it's, for, a while. for a long time like a, yeah a, a long time so i don't know yeah, we'll see yeah this support only grew after iraq began attacking israel with rockets throughout the war after kuwait's liberation the government considered much of the palestinian community to be complicit in the iraqi occupation of their country and in response, nearly all Palestinians were deported in just a few months. And this wasn't the first time something like this had happened. Decades earlier, the Palestinian groups operating in Jordan had come to openly call for the overthrow of Jordan's monarchy in the aftermath of the Six-Day War. At the time, the PLO maintained its own separate army on Jordanian soil and you- Isn't this, isn't this like, bro, imagine going into like another country, which is like, not your country quote unquote even though before all this like jordan and like Pal the palestine area were essentially like the same thing so it's just arabs but it's essentially the same thing but we just created these like arbitrary lines yep um and then th people are saying that like oh you know give it give authority to the plo it's like bro like none of these organizations like are responsible like they're all corrupt and they're all just they just want destruction they want to overthrow and take control like, that's what groups do yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's just people need to study the history. But imagine going into all these countries, bro, and then just be like, yeah, screw. And even when the war started with, with Israel, 
And they were like trying to like, dude, they were trying to burn down the Israeli embassy. They were trying in Jordan, the Palestinians in Jordan. They're trying to over like burn down the Israeli embassy. Like they had to bring police out to like prevent the American embassy from getting destroyed. It was like a freaking mess. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know why. Use that. I just don't know okay. why people are protesting to free Palestine. Like, why why are people in Spain protesting to free Palestine? What is the Spanish government gonna do to free Palestine? Well, the Spain situation, I heard there's protests there because they're trying to roll out like communism, like like there's like some government like sure. unrest there specifically. Sure. Sweden. But everywhere what, else, yeah. What can Sweden do to free Palestine? What can I mean America? Arguable because we fund Israel. That's arguable. You know, there's grounds for it. But like But I, I mean, even funding, like what is that gonna do? Like what what like what are they what is the even if you had all the money in the world, like this isn't a problem that's like money, like you need money to solve it. Yeah, and like oh we have enough money, so obviously <laughs> we've tried that because they give the Palestinian uh, organizations a lot of money. They give God. They just gave Gaza a hundred million dollars. Yeah, the terrorist organization. Like it's insane. Yeah. So um, it's just. Um, I don't think. I, I think people are protesting because they see Muslims, they see Arabs going against Israel, which is not Muslim, which is not Arab, and you know it's like a basketball team. You know, you see a black guy and a white guy. You, you know, I'm black. I'm like, okay, like let me let me go on the black guy's team. Like he looks like me. Yeah, same. That's what I do too. I kind you know of saying I kind of play it 50-50 on the fence. You know, nobody really knows. What I, I mean, mean, if you don't know any other information, which most people don't, which most people don't want to look at it from an objective perspective, they want to look at it emotionally. They want to look at it from the people's perspective that they identify with mostly, which is, you know, <laughs> there's like one to two billion Muslims in the world. Who do you think side that they're going to take? Who do you think's favorable story of the situation are they going to take? The one that shares their religion. It just, it is what it is. We're tribal people. Yeah. No, that. No. That armed force to sow chaos. Armed gangs of PLO militants drove around the capital of Amman, robbing families and businesses in the name of collecting financial assistance for the ongoing war of attrition against Israel. When members of the Jordanian police and army tried to defend their citizens from these attacks, they were attacked and killed. The Palestinian political network operate as a state within a state, with militants repeatedly using Jordan to launch rockets into Israel. The Marxist-Leninist popular front for the liberation of Palestine even went so far as to hijack multiple planes, diverting the flights to a Palestinian-controlled airfield in Jordan where the passengers were held hostage. By September 1970, the Jordanian army had finally had enough. A full-scale war with the PLO broke out, and after 10 months of fighting, the Palestinians were driven out of the country. Yet, as a parting gift, a Palestinian terrorist group known as Black September assassinated the Jordanian prime minister. Sadly, the story doesn't end there because the PLO then moved into Lebanon, where they allied themselves with Marxist and socialist movements that were seeking to overthrow Lebanon's conservative Maronite. How can you be Marxist and Muslim? Isn't Marxist like a rational, like atheist movement? Um... I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 
Maronite Christian government. The presence of thousands of Palestinian militants flooding into the country completely destabilized Lebanon and plunged the entire nation into chaos. Less than four years after the PLO was expelled from Jordan, Lebanon found itself in the middle of one of the most bloody and chaotic civil wars in Middle Eastern history, from which it has never fully recovered. In short, Palestinian organizations have not just attacked Israel. They have sowed unrest in many of the neighboring Arab and Muslim countries as well. And this has led those governments to the conclusion that allowing for mass immigration or even just refugee camp resettlement within their borders would lead to domestic unrest for their own countries. And this, of course, only exacerbates the humanitarian crisis for those. This makes sense. I mean, three, they're three and oh right now, just based off of this story alone. Yeah. Kuwait, Jordan, Lebanon. It's like, dang, that's crazy. Palestinian non-combatants. Well, when you have nothing to lose, you can risk it all. Well, yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? And also, you know what's funny? Is they were probably because, I mean, the, the, the concept of like a Christian country, right? It's like everyone's created equal. You know, we always have, we all have like this level of divinity, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of us. But like I think a lot of the Muslim countries, they probably are more of like, like they're probably more like caste system of like, oh well, uh, bro, was that you or me? That was me. Sorry. That was so loud, dude. Thought I turned it off. Can you mute it, please? Yeah. That like scared. I thought that was like a rocket hitting me from like Lebanon or something. Um. So yeah, it's probably more of like a caste system where it's like, oh, we're Palestinian. They're Palestinian. We're we're Qatar. We're from Kuwait. You know, we're from we're from Jordan, but you're Palestinian. There's probably a little bit of that too, so that probably doesn't help in the sense of how they were probably being treated in um, all of the countries that were outside of their non-existent country. You know, yeah. I mean, if you assimilate, it'd probably be better for them if they were like, okay, well, I'm part of, you know, Palestine's not really a real country, so let me just be like, okay, I'm an Arab, just like you. I'm a Muslim, just like you. Let me assimilate and not be like, oh, I'm Palestinian. Well, that's what I recommend. Well, they that, do. I think that's a better strategy. They like do that, especially when they travel internationally. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm Arab." Like, we well, yeah, want to benefits them, but I'm saying when it's like when they're trying to as mass assimilate, but yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah, hot in the middle. The problem is. As long as terrorist organizations like Hamas and others are elected to represent the Palestinian people, their plight will most likely continue, as neither Israel nor apparently the surrounding Arab nations want to see their own populations threatened by terrorist groups. Why aren't more... Okay, that was good. I, I like that one. What did you, you think? What's your uh, synopsis? Uh, well, I was going to move on. I kind of had a thought in my head. Just yeah, think, go, go for it. about what you were talking about earlier about Christian nations. It's pretty crazy that Christians are pretty tolerant of other people, mostly because of what we believe in. We believe the Holy Ghost will enlighten people. We don't really believe that we have the authority to kind of convert people. Um, but by force. yeah, by force. Um, but with Muslim nations, they kind of condemn any other religion. I mean, either you pay high taxes or you get prosecuted. So I think it's just a little bit weird. I don't know. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Well, in their in their scripture, right, you have to kill the infidel, which is anyone that converts out of it. I think. I mean, there's Christians in Muslim nations. It's just not a lot. You yeah. know, it's not. It's not a lot. lot. Of it's and if you convert it out of Islam, 
that might be tough other than like maybe Saudi Arabia, UAE, where it's like a little bit more like relaxed, I would say. Yeah, the more westernized Arab nations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let me see. Let me stop and cast another video. I have one more video. We're not going to watch the whole thing, yeah. but it's like good context. You said you you said my my phone ringer was kind of setting off some PTSD. How have you been feeling? Everything okay? Anxiety? What are what's it? What's the temperature like over there? Uh, it's cool. I mean, it, it's been pretty chill. Yeah. As far as I mean, down south, obviously we got that handled, but they're still sending rockets. Mm -hmm. But it's like gonna end soon, I think. And then in the north, though, it's starting to pick up. There's actually a. Uh, a UAV that actually got as deep as Haifa, which is like kind of mm -hmm. the north, like the big city in the north for us. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like a big, like, whoa, like that's crazy. Like I know people in Haifa. Um, it's a huge city, yeah. um, but I don't think it really did. I mean, it still was was uh, was hit by a uh, aero missile defense system. I think it's no, it's I forget what it's called. It's Patriot Patriot uh, missile defense mm -hmm. uh, system. But yeah, we don't like that. Last time, like the first time that a that an aircraft got in our uh, airspace, we bombed the Aleppo and the Damascus airport. Yeah. So I think that they retaliated pretty harsh. But the past three days, I've been trying to like stay away from uh, Telegram and stuff, just trying to focus on work, yeah. focus on, on what I need to get done rather than necessarily the conflict, um, yeah. because it does get me hyped. You know, like I like it. It's almost like TikTok, right? Like. You get on it because you're like you want to know the information, but like you get so like into it that it's like crack. It's like addicting, yeah. you know. Especially when so, it's happening right outside your door, like yeah, because you're kind of like your brain tricks you to being like, I need to, I need this, yeah, in order to like stay safe or know what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You start rationalizing it. Yeah, yeah, but oh, in yeah. reality, it's like, bro, what am I gonna do, bro? Like, I'm staying here. Like, yeah. What am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? If we hear the alarm, we hear the alarm. We, you know, we go into, uh, well, my room is the bomb shelter. Everyone just goes to my room. Yeah. We close the door and that's it. But everyone's going to hear that. You know, I don't yeah. need to be up to date. Here in the States, here in the States, I feel like there's a lot of fatigue coming like on where people are kind of just like, all right, free Palestine. Yeah. I mean, it's been like a month and a week. Mm -hmm. People have been a couple of days over it. Um, but there's still some influencers out there still pounding it hard. Yeah. What, the one that blocked you, he's still pounding it pretty hard. So oh, Sean King. Isn't that funny? He blocked me. That's insane. But you I know, it is what it is. Bro, I'm not commenting anymore. I can't. Because bro, my 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 Instagram's gonna get locked out because the, because I, I was commenting heavy on Al Jazeera and just like debunking everything people were posting. Yeah. My it just kept getting reported. And bro, if I'm scared if I like open myself up again to like getting reported heavily. I'm just going to, they're going to send me into the, uh, the shadow realm. Mm. I'll never be able to come back. The ADL can't step in. Oh yeah. Actually, let me give him a bro. Like what are they going to do for me? Like I got them on speed dial or something. I don't um, know how you guys do things over there. Yeah. yeah that's how we do things. Yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, I, I don't think it's like moderated that way. It's just, they, they just go off of like mass reportings. It's yeah. just like a numbers game. You know, they don't I've I've through working in social media I've had to like go in and like get re get access for like different pages and Instagrams and they don't they never do it, dude. They got like billions of users, like yeah. It's yeah, they, they just if you get if you get blocked, like unless you're like a celebrity, they're never gonna let you back. Yeah. Um, but let me let me 
Let's do another quick video. We won't watch the whole thing. It's a little bit long, but it's pretty interesting. What's it about? Backdrop of like the religious and like just the bigger context. Mm. Um, yeah, it's true. Can I, you hear it? I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> I have this book out there. If you'll pardon the uh, advertisement, I have a new book out that I was okay, going. So this guy, he uh, he has a he has a like news organization or like blog or YouTube channel called Jihad Watch, which yeah. which is kind of based. Which is he's, he's just like reports like daily reports on like different jihad mm -hmm. and and is kind of like an expert in islam and kind of trains different governments on understanding islam and um kind of understanding like the deep-seated i guess like mentality of islam did he um, grow up uh a muslim or like what's his background i don't think so i think he's just he just like was a scholar mm -hmm. i don't think he was a he grew up as a muslim okay. i think he's uh i think he's christian now but i'm not 100 percent sure yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was on a debate too, which was funny on a Patrick and David's podcast. That's how I actually I stumbled upon him. But he's uh, he knows his stuff for sure, and he like pays attention to geopolitics and how money moves within the uh, Islamic organizations into the U.S. So hmm. it's uh, it's all encompassing for sure. But let's watch it and then let me know if you want to stop it. Going to talk about, but you'll just have to buy it. Uh, <laughs> I have an old book, The Palestinian Delusion, The Catastrophic History of the Middle East Peace Process, which is also out there, and you will find in there everything that elucidates the conflict at hand. And actually, I uh, took a few notes this morning that are from that book to explain what we're dealing with these days. So I wanted to give you a quote. This is a uh, quote. I'll tell you who said it after I read it. No longer are we necessarily a people who dwells alone, and no longer is it true that the whole world is against us. We must overcome the sense of isolation that has held us in its thrall for almost half a century. We must join the international movement towards peace, reconciliation, and cooperation that is spreading all over the entire globe these days, lest we be the last to remain all alone at the station. Who said it? Close. Yitzhak Rabin said it, the Prime Minister of Israel in 1992, as he was about to conclude the Oslo Accords with Yasser Arafat. Now, I submit that that is a quote, a statement that is diametrically opposed to the spirit of another prime minister of Israel. As a matter of fact, Yitzhak Rabin's predecessor in his first term as prime minister, Golda Meir, who was said very, before, he had a choice between being dead and... Was that, is that the prime minister before Netanyahu? Um, Golda? Golda was like in the 70s. Oh, okay. She was a little bit, yeah, she was a, kind of a while, a while ago. And then I think this guy's like between maybe the Golda and... Netanyahu era, okay. but they can repeat terms as prime minister, so it's a little bit messy. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. And pitied and being alive with a bad image, we'd rather be alive and have the bad image. Now, what Yitzhak it's funny he says that because this has been like the big, this has been like the biggest issue in Israel, in Israel's like time, right? Where it's like any time Israel does anything, even if it's justified, they will have a bad image. Like Israel has a bad Im image. Like it's funny how that was the case back then where it's like you can get hit. And then if you hit back, you're like automatically the bad guy. But it's funny. I didn't, until I watched this, I didn't know that that was the case even back then. I thought it was kind of a modern, like kind of like woke uh, social media type of thing where it's like anytime Israel does something, get on social media, you know, protest in college. But apparently it's been happening for a while. Well, yeah, because every like I know even 
like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people were always like complaining like, oh, Israel's response. It's always about been about the response is too heavy. What's the correct amount of force? Like, do you do I didn't know that equally? Um, but I don't know. I just think most people, most people do that because of like when the modern day Israel state was created, they kind of just justify anything the Palestinians do. They're like, oh, yeah, well. no, for sure. Because they're the victim. They're the perpetual victim. Yeah. So it, they get the license to do anything. It's almost recency bias because they were, I mean, Palestinians took it from somebody. They occupied the land from somebody. I mean, they never had it. That's the, kind of the whole thing, right? It's like they, it was kind of just like an area. And yeah. the area was like arbitrary. And there was plenty of different people there, you know, obviously not as many Jews because once it became an official Jewish state, they're like, okay, coast is clear, pull up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Robin was saying, and what happened at the Oslo Accords was exactly the opposite. It was opting to be dead and pitied, essentially. But what he was doing was obviously not that explicitly. He was saying, we have to join the international community and not be isolated anymore and join the international movement towards peace. Now, what is the fallacy in what he was saying it is that it was not because of Israel's actions that Israel was isolated and not part of the international movement towards peace. What we have are fundamentally opposed. Yeah, I'll say he's a, he's a, what do you call it, biased towards Israel, but I think justifiably so. I don't think it's like, he's not Jewish or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's like, just want to make that clear, you know, before it's like, oh, propaganda. It's like, yeah, he has a perspective, but I think it's a pretty like, um, knowledgeable facts base like he gives receipts like he's a he's a nerd like nerd nerd so yeah um just want to put that up there opposed views of the world that cannot possibly be reconciled and one of them is the idea that the world is moving in progressing in a positive direction and that it's kind of an inevitable progression which is a marxist idea toward a wonderful culmination of a uh, society that is completely at peace and equitable and just and that's the marxist idea you have to spill a lot of blood to get there but ultimately you get to the dictatorship of the proletariat and then the state fades away and there's true communism and everything is okay now if you believe that then you believe that you can sit down with anyone and settle your problems but then you come up against people who believe in something else and so i give you a quotation from the quran the holy book of islam which speaks about abraham and you might think isn't that nice that it speaks about abraham see we're all abrahamic faiths judaism christianity and islam and we all you know what's funny what i used to think that too mm -hmm. until i actually became like a christian christian i would say mm -hmm. like oh well they all started from abraham like Hasidic Jews, they believe what it, you know, the same in the same God as the Christians and the Muslims. It's like that's like saying, like, I thought of an of an analogy. I think this is a good analogy. It's like we both believe that a cup exists. You decide that the purpose of that cup is to drink from it. Maybe another person thinks the purpose of the cup is to poop in it. The then another person thinks the purpose of the cup is to break it, you know. It's wildly different, uh, you know, just because the cup exists doesn't really matter. Just because we all agree the cup exists doesn't really matter. It's like our function with it is dramatically different, you know, so it's like it almost doesn't matter. That's not something that would unite us, unite us just because that, you know, we think that that exists. How do you think? How do you like that analogy? Mm, I think, I mean, it's an analogy. Stinky. It's stinky. 
it's not really exactly, but I mean, it'd be more like I yeah, I know. Gosh, cups exist, but we all believe in different cups and different purposes for those cups. Like, there's three distinct cups. We believe that cups exist, but sit again. We believe that cups exist, but they're not the same cup. We all have an, a, an image of different cups. Oh, okay. I like that one. That was less graphic too. I like that one. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I'll, I'll use yours. I'll steal it. Yeah, do a combination of both because you know it, they both make sense. I like yours though. I'm, I'm gonna steal it. Okay. And we all have Abraham in common. He is our common father, and we are all his children, and we can build bridges on that basis. And if you think that sounds fatuous, you're right. Except that's what George W. Bush said, and Barack Obama, and uh, certainly Joe Biden in his more lucid moments. And there is no dissenting voice, essentially, from the idea that we can build the same kind of common ground that Yitzhak Rabin was talking about on the basis of the shared, common, the, the shared areas of our three religious faiths. However, when you look at Abraham in the Quran, What's funny is that's the rationale for the Abraham Accords, but it's just the name. I mm -hmm. think the real uniting principle is money. I mean, that's what unites people in general. That's what unites superpowers. That's what unites anybody. Like the the reason America works is because it's pretty clear. Like people trying to provide for their families here, people trying to hustle, people trying to make money. Um, so you know, we all we all get along. Yeah, well, kind of. Money is evil. I mean, yeah, it's not perfect, but I'm just saying, like, money will you money in a common purpose, I think, unites people rather than like some arbitrary, you know, beginner of the of a holy text that we have completely different interpretations of, you know. I don't yeah. know. It tells you in chapter three, verse sixty-seven, that Abraham was neither a Jew nor a Christian. Abraham was a Muslim. Now, you might wonder, how is it that Abraham could be a Muslim when Abraham lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Muhammad? Well, the Islamic scheme, in the Islamic understanding, the original religion of all the prophets was Islam. Wait, time out. I, how I can it's like thousands of years. Time out. What did he say? Well, the Islamic scheme, in the Islamic understanding, the original religion of all the prophets was Islam. Abraham taught Islam. Moses taught Islam. They were all Muslims. John the Baptist taught Islam. Jesus taught Islam. Every last one of them was a Muslim. And then what happened? They had bad followers, and their bad followers... If he's talking about Abraham, that was twisted way long. The Muslim, when Abraham lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Muhammad. Bro. Islam started like Muhammad, years after Jesus 600 died. 600 years after Jesus died. So like, and then Jesus was like 2,000 years after, I, I don't know. Like yeah. it's, it's thousands, it's more like thousands, but yeah. you know, whatever. Well, the Islamic scheme in the Islamic understanding, the original religion of all the prophets was Islam. Abraham taught Islam. Moses taught Islam. They were all Muslims. John the Baptist taught Islam. Jesus taught Islam. Every last one of them was a Muslim. And then what happened? They had bad followers, and their bad followers twisted their teachings to create what we know of as Judaism and Christianity. So they are false, twisted, hijacked versions of the original Islamic teachings of the prophets. So while the Judeo-Christian tradition is full of leaders... What's up? Can you even be... A Muslim, if you don't believe in Muhammad, because is it? It wasn't Muhammad the one that, like, he's the prophet. He's the one that created it. Yeah. So how how can you be Muslim without Muhammad? Or is it you like, can't? Yeah. Muhammad Muhammad is the patriarch of Islam, like yeah. the, the main Islam. Yeah. Huh. Was that it? 
Yeah, it's. Oh, okay. um, I thought like you. Uh, kind of. I'm just. I thought trying. you. Someone told you like I don't believe in Muhammad, but I'm Muslim or something. No, I. I'm just uh, trying to find the logic in all of this. Yeah, it's confusing. Like once you get deep and start to learn, like it's been really interesting. Probably the past like couple of years, probably the last year, maybe six months, I've been learning about it more. I'm like, like, I'm like, this does not make sense at all. But the thing is, they get away with it because you have to actually crack open a book, maybe watch some lo- like multiple long, you know, scholars talk about it and recite it and give sources. And like actually follow up on the information that you're learning to be like, oh, okay, this is real. This is real, which most people are not going to do. Most people don't want to do that, you know? Yeah, a lot of people are lazy. Who will say we have this wonderful Abrahamic faith commonality. The vision of Abraham in Islam is rejectionist in an absolute sense. And that is we are the true children of Abraham and you all are not. And what does that mean in practice? There's another passage, chapter 60, verse 4, and it has Abraham telling his father, because remember, Abraham's a Muslim, and his father is not. His father is a polytheist. And so Abraham says, there has arisen hostility and hatred between us forever, until you believe in Allah alone. So there has arisen hostility and hatred between us forever, until you believe in Allah alone. Think about that and compare that to, we must join the international movement towards peace. How are you going to do that? Jackson's calling us. Should we put him on? Yeah, put him on. Let's invite him. He's not going to want to, but it's actually, okay. maybe we'll see. Send him the link. I know. I, I saw that. He was calling. I'll just say we're chatting on, on this. Say, tell, him, tell him we're using it since your FaceTime doesn't work or something. Yeah. <laughs> Saying we're evil. The art of deception. It's okay. For a good cause. You know what I'm saying? When you have some people who think there is hostility and hatred between us forever because you do not share the religion that I do, that I have. And so the fundamental mistake of all of the policy of Israel toward its own defense and the United States in alliance with Israel since the 1970s has been to... What did it say? Device. Oh, there we go. What is this? What do you mean? What are we doing? What's up, Black? Hey, Jackson. We got Jackson on. I'm streaming right now, bro. We got oh, no. thousands of people. No, I'm just kidding. I got I I Don't go. be scared, bro. I like that I beard, go. bro. I got to go. Wow. <laughs> He's so fake for that. That's crazy. That's so fake. Um, Let me fast forward this thing. It's kind of getting boring. But, bro, you know what I realized? Like, this guy has a deep knowledge of Islam. I'm realizing that, like, a lot of Israelis, they don't. So they think, like, certain roadblocks, they don't know why are happening. But, like, it's super clear once you start to actually know Islam. Yeah. Well, and they just, I mean, a lot of that stuff, they just say without any, like, facts behind it. Like, oh, Abraham was a Muslim. Well, where's the facts behind it? They're just saying stuff just to say it. And no one kind of checks them on it yeah but like surface level it makes sense that's the thing you know so yeah. well because most on the planet except me thanks again was there for forever like they think judaism islam and christianity have been there since the beginning of time yeah so it's like way different yeah <laughs> is wrong is the fact that iran is israel's chief enemy why because look on a map how does israel threaten iran it's true why on earth would iran which has been where it is. You know what's really funny, and I thought about this today? 
what people don't understand is like Turkey's mad at Israel for what they're doing in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon is mad. The Houthis from Yemen, <laughs> from like hella far away, are sending ballistic missiles to, to Israel. Um, Jordan's mad. It's like, you got to think about it. Why are they mad? Because they love the Palestinian people in Gaza and are just heartbroken because, no, they just are looking for any excuse to hate Israel and any excuse to capitalize on the war and make Israel look bad. Like, are you telling me that out of all the wars in the world, this is the first one that's based and all this like peacocking is based off of com- compassion. People die all the time in, in Arab wars, yeah. Syria, you know, Sudan. I mean, you can go on and on, especially over the years. I mean, it's every country's experienced it. I mean, there's a bunch of Christ- Christians dying in the Armenia, Azerbaijan. Um, conflict. Yeah, but no one cares. That's what's sad, you know, but that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so fake. Like when I see people being like, oh, you know, it's just the bit. I'm like, you're just seeing this on social media. That's the only reason. Like people are posting it because they're trying to get you egged on, put pressure on the on the on your government, and you know, try to force Israel to stop what they're doing, but they're not going to. Well, One, do, two, well countries need to do something about it. If you have a problem with Israel, do what they're doing with the Palestinians. Pull up. Yeah, I mean, that's what people are. People are just talking right now, though. That's the yeah. thing. Like Hezbollah's just talking. Iran's trying to separate themselves from it because um, they see. Honestly, it's because we're going so hard, I think, that they see, okay, like, they're going hard in the paint. Like, if we get into this, like, they're not going to play around. And, and you got to remember, Israel's a, you know, nuclear power. It's not like – Israel's not going anywhere anytime soon. So it's like it's – not, it's not like this, like, oh, yeah, we'll get them. No, you won't. Is it? Is it because confirmed? it's – we all go. Is it confirmed you guys are a nuclear power? I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't disclose how many nuclear weapons they have, but – I was on. Um, I was listening to an interview with um, what's the guy that did the Abraham Accords, uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law, Kushner. Jared Kushner, and he mentioned them being a nuclear power. I was like, okay, like they're open about it, I guess. And he's Jewish and he's open about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I think they're. I mean, they're open about it. They know. And even some guy got in trouble for like mentioning like, what about nuclear weapons? Like, should we use that as like? And he like got ousted for for saying stuff like that. So, I think I don't think it's like a secret. I think it's a secret how many Israel has. Yeah, I saw someone. I think it was Netanyahu who just said like, we won't be the first ones to introduce nuclear weapons into the Middle East or something like that. When did he say that? I don't know. A couple years ago. I mean, you can't say never because, dude, at the end of the day, if you got to use it, you got to use it. Well, he just said saying it's good. He's just saying they're not going to be the first to introduce it. Um, so if somebody okay, maybe else, maybe not. If a different country is like, hey, we got a nuke, then they're like, we do too. I don't know. Oh, oh, in the Middle East? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. He said well, he's not. Gonna be I think Saudi Arabia has some, don't they? No, they have like, I want to say sixty percent uranium right now, but they're supposed to close on eighty. Oh, huh. Interesting. Or, sorry, Iran. Oh, Iran, yeah, they're like they yeah. may have already had it by now, but I don't know. Yeah. For thousands of years, and does not have a border with Israel. How is it threatened by this tiny Jewish state that is several nations away? You've got you've got Syria and you've got Jordan and you've got Lebanon in between, essentially kinda in between, in the neighborhood. So why on earth does Iran 
have such hostility and hatred towards Israel? Because Iran is an Islamic Republic. Ooh, when Iran was not an Islamic Republic, it was not hostile towards Israel. When Islam, Iran was ruled by the Shah, the Ayatollah Khomeini was trying to overthrow the Shah in the 1960s and 70s. And the Ayatollah Khomeini said an interesting thing. He said, Israel does not want the Quran to be in this country. Israel does not want the rules of Islam to be in this country. Now, this is insane, but think about it. Try to understand what on earth is going on here. Israel Why would care. Khomeini blame Israel when he's got the Shah right there who has westernized his country and secularized it and de-emphasized Islam in the Quran? Why would Khomeini reach out and say it's Israel's fault? Because the Shah, for whatever else he was, was still a Muslim. So he was a bad Muslim. He was an apostate or a hypocrite or whatever you want to call him, but he was still within the fold. Whereas Israel, they know there is hostility and hatred between them forever. And so if there is a country that is trying to destroy Islam in Iran, well, it's got to be Israel. Because after all, there's another passage of the Quran, chapter 5, verse 82, which says that you will find that those who have the greatest hatred for you are the Jews. Oh. In other words, was the there, Jews are specified there, in the Quran um, as the foremost enemies of the Muslims. When, um, was there conflicts in the Palestinian territory when England had control? Uh, I doubt it. I mean, there was no Israel. Yeah, but weren't they under British control? So, like, yeah, but there's no mass. Israel is an issue because it's a lot of Jews in that area. Yeah, that's why there's that's what I'm getting at is like they had a separate country that had no, 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 no they didn't. That's the thing. Oh, so, oh. Palestine was even involving. It even included Jordan, if you really want to get technical back then, it included Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, and that was just what they called the area that had, so like technically even Jews were Palestinian back then. Christians okay. were Palestinian back then if they lived there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So it's not like it's like, it was never an ethnic identity. It was a description of a territory. Okay. So, yeah. So Ayatollah Khomeini is trying to figure out what happened to my wonderful Islamic Iran. Why is it not Islamic anymore? Oh, it's Israel's fault. Well, who else? They're the worst enemies of the Muslims. There's hostility and hatred between them and the Muslims forever. And so that's that. As far as he's concerned, that is enough for, it to be, for Israel to be responsible for the Shah's regime and then for Israel to become the foremost enemy of Khomeini's regime. It all has to do with Islam. There is no other explanation for it. You cannot say, well, Israel stole Iran's land. Well, Israel has colonized and oppressed Iran. Israel has done this or that. No, the only reason why Iran cares about what's happening or allegedly happening with the Palestinians is because of Islam, because of the solidarity of the Islamic Ummah, the worldwide Islamic community. Now, this is extremely dangerous also because Iran is a Shiite state. There are Sunnis and there are Shiites. The Sunnis are about 85 to 90. This is what people also don't understand, this like internal Muslim distinction and difference. That I had to get hip to. I'm still learning. Like this stuff's super I fascinating. About the, I knew about the this because of like uh, high school history class. I think it was in India. They were like fighting or something like that. The Sunnis and the Shiites. But I learned it. Oh, in, in I don't think so. I think that's like a different. different no, uh, no, it was, it was. Yeah, Sunnis. India is mainly Hindu. Maybe Pakistan. Maybe it, I don't know. It might not have been India, but I remember studying about. Sunni and Shiites and like okay defenses because yeah, 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 I, I wasn't hip. I mean, I've heard it before, but I never really knew what it was. You know. Yeah. Well, the only reason um, 
I well, that's the only reason I knew. And then I heard like Sneeko talking about, oh, the, there's so many different Bible translations, and then uh, <laughs> there's only one Quran, and but then yeah. it was like, no, there's like multiple types of Islam like, in different languages too. Like not everyone reads it in Arabic. Yeah. There's conversions of it that people read too. Yeah, but people don't think about that. It's so cringe. Very cringe. 90% of the Muslims in the world. The Shiites are Iran. And Bahrain, which Iran claims as the 15th province of Iran. And Iraq, which is 55% Shiite. And then there's 10% Shiites in Saudi Arabia and Shiites in Lebanon. But primarily, you have Iran in a world of Sunnis that is essentially hostile to it. But the Iranians have ambitions. They would like to overcome the Sunnis and become the leaders of the Islamic world. And how could they do that when they're so vastly outnumbered? Well, they're, they're working on it. They have Iraq now, which, as I said, has a Shiite majority. For years, the Syrian regime was a client state of Iran. Now that's a little bit in flux. The Assad regime is Alawite. Alawites are an offshoot of Shiite Islam. The Iranians are 12 Shiites. That's the main form of Shiites, but there are a lot of different Shiites. And the Alawites are a Shiite group that is about 12% of Syria. I'm over the Shiite. <laughs> rule the country, and they are propped up by the support from Iran, although the relations have been straining lately. Then you have Hezbollah in Lebanon, which is a wholly owned and operated subsidiary of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And then you have Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad that are Sunni, that Iran is funding. And if you look at a map, you're getting to have this entire, a, a kind of crescent, as it were, of Shiite hegemony that could result in the Shiites, if they destroy Israel, which of course they want to do, becoming the foremost Islamic power in the world far surpassing all the Sunni states and overcoming any challenge from Egypt or Saudi Arabia or Turkey to be the leader of the Islamic world because they're the ones who destroyed Israel. <laughs> and when they're playing this game, it's very dangerous because of Shiite theology. Shiite theology is a theology of loss and defeat, paradoxically enough, because the Shiites were always a minority in Islam. And in Islam, you got a problem, kill. You got a dispute, kill. You got a, a domestic argument, hit her. Violence is the key to the whole thing. You, you have a problem, you solve it by violence. Terror is the key to the whole thing. You have a death penalty for apostasy. You have a, the, the wife beating that I just mentioned. You have the uh, amputation for theft, stoning for adultery. What are your thoughts on wife beating? L. Yeah, that's an L. All these different penalties that are designed to terrify people into staying in line. The whole core of Islam is terror. It's not, just a, it's not a bug, it's a feature. It's, it's core to the thing itself. Like you could say Christianity is a religion of love. If that is true, Islam is a religion of terror. It's not just about the terrorism. The whole thing That's is based based. on fear that you get too frightened to disobey. Now, the problem with that is that... You know what's funny? They saying that is like crazy nowadays. What? Like what he's saying. Like it's just, it sounds like a different language to a lot of people that like maybe have kind Muslim friends, which we're not saying they're violent, but like a lot of like the core tenets are violent and the history yeah. is violent. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't even say that without being uh, Islamophobe. I remember when I first started. I don't know why they keep when, saying Islamophobe. I'm not afraid of a like Islam, a word. Like I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> I don't know well, why. I'm just not scared of being called. Like I don't care. Like how are you gonna call a black person? Like it's tough to really for black people to buy that because it's like, yeah. bro, we don't care. Like yeah, we're not sensitive to that. But it's like. Any sort of criticism of Islam is Islamophobia. Yeah, it's very unique in that sense. But you know, I mean, to be it, fair, to be fair, I, yeah, same with no, I, I, bro. This is you know what's funny? 
this was my main uh, criticism of the word anti-Semitism. That's why I never say it because it's so cringe now. Mm-hmm. Like back when, uh, what's his name, uh, Kyrie and Kanye were getting in, in trouble for what they were doing, like they never even did anything that bad. And I was like, you know what the issue is? You're going to press these niggas so hard. You're going to go so hard on these guys, even though they didn't really do anything. They were just kind of talking crazy and talking openly, which we have free speech in America. That once something does happen and you want people to have your back and there's real anti-Semitism, which is honestly probably what's going on right now around the world, like no one's going to care because that word, you dragged it down into extinction. It means nothing now. Nothing because, now. oh, oh, do, oh, anti-Semitism, oh, anti-Semitism, oh, anti Bro, you can't call everything anti-Semitic or else it loses its value. It loses yeah. its, uh, its luster. Yeah. When the Shia are living with the Sunnis, they are getting killed quite a bit. And the Shia idea is that there were, that, that in the first place, that Muhammad appointed Ali ibn Abi Talib, who was his son-in-law, to be his successor. And the Sunnis say, no, he didn't. And that the leader of the Muslim community has to be a descendant of Ali ibn Ali Abi Talib. So there were 12 of those, and they were known as the Imams. In Sunni Islam, the imam is like your local parish priest or rabbi or whatever. But in Shiite Islam, the imam is the infallible guide of the community and the successor of Ali and Muhammad. And so the successor of Ali and Muhammad, most of them were killed by the Sunnis. And then in the year 869, this five-year-old kid became the imam because it was a hereditary thing. It had to be in Ali's household. So in 874, he disappeared. He was probably murdered by the Sunnis, but nobody knows. He vanished. And the Shiite idea is that he's still alive. He could be here. (laughs) And he's hiding until the day when the Muslims are persecuted more fiercely than they have ever been persecuted before. And then he will reappear. And this is something that is fervently believed by the hierarchy of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So they think that's happening now. What if you have this idea? What? Do they think that's happening now? There's a bunch of Muslims. That's, that's what he said. I mean, my there's issue is... No, there's literally no Muslims getting persecuted. It's all Christians. It's all Christians yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Muslim countries. Yeah, I mean, they're getting killed in Sudan, too. Like, it's crazy. It's sad. Yeah. Um, you know what's crazy? I'm like, I'm confused as to... If he's omni... If, he's, if that guy's still here, he's omnipresent, right? Then like, I'm dead. like, that, that has divinity. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's certain... Uh, things that they ascribe to their prophets that are like God-like characteristics. So I'm like just confused. Like I don't know. Yeah. Well, because the the new the their Messiah or prophet, I don't know what he's called, is supposed to come. He's supposed to be of Muhammad's lineage and carry his name. So like, how can you be? How can you be? I thought Jesus was coming back, or no, or Allah. Man, who knows? Know. Maybe he'll get us hip in this video. Yeah. idea and when he by the way when he comes back he's going to save everything he's the savior figure the 12th imam the hidden imam he's going to uh, uh, just wait you know when he gets here you're all going to get it and then the world will be at peace because everybody will be dead or shiite so they're waiting for this consummation of all things that's going to come from this five-year-old who's going to come back and you know it's funny this sounds like the per- a perverted version of like the end times in christianity how's that it just sounds like very like like there's certain aspects that are overlapping. I mean, obviously Christianity, the Torah, the, the Gospels were around uh, before uh, Islam, so they they had that to copy off of. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of it like overlaps like even how they have like the like they they clearly copied it because they have the quran and then they have the uh what do you call it the hadiths which is like the equivalent of the jewish uh talmud which is like arguments based off of the scripture like a lot of things are like overlapping or were copied from uh like Christianity and the Talmud, and like they have end times prophecies and stuff like that. So there's just there's just a lot of overlap. It's not overlap, you know. This was all um, Allah talking to Muhammad. Jesus was a Muslim, you know. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I don't mean that. God, I'm just <laughs> we're being sarcastic. Joke. It's our uh, it's our and lay waste and establish the victory of the Shiites. But he's only going to come back when you are in a persecution that is more severe than you have ever endured before, you the Muslims. So what could that be? A nuclear strike. What if, for example, the Islamic Republic of Iran sends nukes to Israel and Israel retaliates? The president of Iran from 1989 to 97, Ali Akbar Hashemi Rashanjani, he said, application of a nuclear bomb would not leave anything in Israel but the same thing would just produce damages in the Muslim world. In other words, we can take this. We don't care. How could he say that he, he wouldn't mind? It would just produce damage. Damage, he's talking about 10 to 15 million people dead in Iran. How could he say, oh, that's okay. We could endure that because that would bring the, the kid back. The 12th Imam would return because the Muslims are so persecuted. That's crazy. When I heard this, I was like, that's crazy. Like, that's tough. It's like it's like martyrdom to like the twelfth power. You're not listening. I spaced out for a sec. I was looking at something. Um. Yeah. I'm like. I love this type of stuff. So we no, no. I was, I was. I was I know, like. I was. This I was, is boring to most people. So no, no, I understand. When you brought up when you brought up nukes. Nukes. Um, you started was, daydreaming about nukes. No, I was thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I I forgot if it was I forgot who it was talking about it. I think it was they were talking to Joe Rogan about how um, archaeologists found um like archaeologists ar archaeo archaeologists just said it funny yeah yeah um they were saying they were saying that they did find evidence of they didn't say exactly what it was but they said there was like a flash of it so i was just trying to figure out who who said that and i spaced out yeah you like the bottom little things that are in it don't forget to like the video uh don't forget it means a lot to yoel i promise don't forget to subscribe I like this, bro. I like uh, StreamYard. Um, yeah, no, what I was saying is it takes martyrdom to like the next level because the issue is with like the issue they're having in Gaza too is like, bro, like these people are like happy to die. Like they want to die. They want to like be martyrs. So it's like it takes the, the you can't really think, you know how like, like a basketball game and any sort of combat, you want to try to think like your enemy. It's like, Imagine if your enemy doesn't care if they get scored on. They just want to make sure you don't score. They're going to foul you. They don't care if they foul out. They don't care about anything. They're just going to – it's like how do you even like, you know, they're going to pop out. It's like most militaries, they're not going to just pop out and just kill you. They're going to think like, okay, this guy has other dudes. You know, if I pop out, I'm going to die. I might get a couple off. But it's like you have to think in a totally different way. That's why they're taking it so slow. Yeah. Because it's like, dude, and imagine, and like with the nukes saying how, like, if they send a nuke to Israel, Israel would send one back. And if there was destruction to Iran, it's like, we'll just eat that. You know, it's all good. Like, they would make our, you know, our little kid come back, our little kid prophet come back. So I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the former president of another former president of Iran used to go to this well 
where the hidden imam was hiding and he would talk to him. And I say that to tell you how seriously this is all taken. It may sound crazy, but this is believed very fervently by the people who are in charge in Iran. And so, if they send a nuclear bomb to Israel, then what they envision is... What I was thinking about, too, is like, you know how they always say, like, a lot of Muslim apologists will say, like, oh, you know, you believe Jesus is God, you believe in multiple gods, which we don't. If, we're, if you're a Christian, you don't believe in multiple gods. Um, but they're like, oh, that's pagan, that's pagan, or that's idolatry. I'm like, y'all literally go to a place and pray towards a rock. Like y'all play to y'all pray at Mecca like towards a rock, a black a black square, like and that's 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 crazy that they like call other people out too, and yeah. like they do that. It's kind of wild. Yeah, and they that Israel will be destroyed, Iran will be victorious, and they're obsessed with Muhammad. Yeah, which isn't God. Yeah, unless that's he their is. Words. That's so, their words. Yep. The Sunni states will have to accept the hegemony of Iran over the world, over the Islamic world, and then they will be able to proceed to wage jihad against the rest of the world in order to bring it under the hegemony of Islam as well. Because ultimately this is a maximalist vision. I expect you are likely are aware of that, but I'll just make sure. Chapter 8, verse 39 of the Quran says, fight them until persecution is no more and the religion is all for Allah. So see, if you fight them until persecution is no more, well, that's not so bad. Then if we just stop persecuting them, then everything will be okay. But then there's the second part of the passage, and religion is all for Allah. So if there's any religion that's not for Allah in the world, they got to keep fighting. And so this is the fundamental fallacy in what Yitzhak Rabin said, that we must join the international movement towards peace, reconciliation, and cooperation that is spreading all over the entire globe these days. It ain't. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. There was never a movement for peace, reconciliation, and cooperation in the Islamic world. It was always about subjugation submission and the islamic hegemony and this brings us to the even larger picture to be muslim what they want everybody in the world to be muslim yeah i mean that's the goal and by force like not like not like christians where it's like okay like you know we want to tell people about the gospel whatever like you know be cool if everyone's christian um but it's like are you going to do that by force that's yeah. the distinction you you know you have to have it for your you know your profit to come that's the biggest uh distinction and also it's similar to like a lot of atheist mentalities it's like you know we got to get rid of like even in america it's like the biggest uh what do you call it um terrorist organization in america is like white christian nationalists like what does that mean yeah all christians like it's like forced conversion into atheism or whatever ball you know, God that they're they're worshiping in America now, like the elites. Yeah. Did you know about that? There's like an arch of Baal in in uh these major cities. No, I didn't know that. But I did know yeah. atheism. I know I did know atheism is actually a religion that uh in Egypt. Really? I mean, in yeah, Egypt. it is. In Egypt, it was it was started in ancient Egypt. Atheism. I mean, I believe it, yeah. bro. This is insane. When I got put onto this, I was like, wait, what? Like. It's crazy. So uh, it's in like Washington D.C. It's in New York. It's in London. Arjun Wall, yeah. Let me uh, let me cast it. We'll, we'll finish it off with this. It's kind of getting boring. Uh, let's go back to stop casting. Um, yeah, dude. It's like it's actually kind of like it's kind of like how did I not see it? Type like kind of crazy. Yeah. Hmm.
This is Jonathan Kahn with a word for this hour. This nigga's dramatic. If you've read he's a Christian, but he's a rabbi. You know that we are replaying an ancient template of judgment. America is following the same that ancient Israel followed when it turned away from God and ultimately headed to judgment and destruction. Key in that fall of ancient Israel was the god Baal or Baal. Baal was the god of power, the god of, of fertility, of prosperity, of sexual immorality. Baal was the god of their apostasy. When they turned away from God, they turned to Baal. And Baal was the god that they offered their children to as sacrifice. They would yeah. approach his altar, come to the, to the, the, their baby the in the metal hands of the idol of Baal, and they would roll their baby into the flames. God would judge them for that. America has also followed the spirit of this Baal. This is insane, dude. We are following the spirit that a nation follows when it turns away from knowing God. We have turned to the spirit of Baal. We have followed the God of prosperity, of power, of apostasy, of sexual immorality. And we have offered up our children. Like when um, Balenciaga did the, did the, 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 the Balenciaga, they did the, yes. uh, what was that? The fucking, the freaking ad um, with like child. I thought, it was, I thought they were just edge lords, you know, like people that like, like to be edgy. Mm-hmm. But like now when I do more research on it, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. It's pretty wild. Of our children, of our unborn on the altars of self-obsession. We have offered up. Say it again. I said it's pretty wild. People will like believe like, oh, there's no such thing as God. Oh, there's no such thing as God. But then like you tell them like. Witchcraft. Yeah, they believe in witchcraft and like devil stuff and evil stuff. And you're like, dude, how do you not believe if there's aliens? Yeah. Yeah. I. There is aliens. I think there are aliens. They're demons, nigga. I know up over 60 million children in abortion. <laughs> I mean, this is With words, the sign right? of Baal yeah. appear on no, America. This is crazy. In the autumn of 2016, I need to the see sign this of for Baal my own appeared eyes. in New York City. I went down there for the unveiling of this unholy object, the Arch what part of is this? Baal. And we actually showed Washington, D.C., bro. Oh, that was in Washington, D.C. I thought he said New York. It's in New York, too, in London, and I think in uh, Florence, Italy. Like, mm-hmm. bruh. I'll pull, up, I'll pull up the one in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a photo. I'll show it to you. We'll show oh, you a little bit of them uh, unveiling it to Middle Eastern music with, with the leaders of uh, on it. I'll, uh, New York City no, praising this thing. It was the Arch of Baal, a reproduction from the Middle East or of the Middle Eastern Arch that led the worshippers of Baal into the Temple of Baal. And again, this is the, the worship that involved the offering up of children. Isn't that crazy? It is a sign of a nation that has fallen from its God. And now it appeared in America. And where? In New York City, the center of abortion, the abortion capital of America. Well, this is appropriate for an object of bail. It's also the place, New York, where abortion York became uh, spearheaded, abortion as the law of the land. That's but the all timing was also is. important. It was autumn 2016. What, what's up? That's all abortion is. It's just sacrificing babies. Yeah, it is. I mean, why are people so into it? You got to think about it. Dude, I saw, I saw an Instagram post. I literally wanted to like throw my, I, I literally almost deleted Instagram because I, I felt like such a degenerate. I was looking through a comments about like, there was like a, uh, an abortion or like, it was like, oh, if, if I was on birth control, my dude was using a condom, so-and-so, like God would have seen me and the baby because I would have killed both of us, something like that. And like, they were talking about abortions in the comment section and like killing baby. And it's like, dude, it's your fault. It's getting weird. Yeah. It's like, it's your, like, how are you blaming like, Oh, I'm gonna sue the birth control company. Oh, I'm gonna sue the con. Sue yourself. Sue your damn self. Like people, people try to g- gaslight you to to being like, well, if it's not legal, then you're forcing women to do un unhealthy procedures and do it outside of the. I'm like, no one's forcing you to do anything. Men can't kill babies, so women shouldn't be able to kill babies either. Like, wh- how is this like such a controversial topic? Well, this is kind of like this was my faith journey too, where it was like. 
what is your at the end of the day, if, Christian, if Christianity is not real, what's wrong with killing a baby at one years old? What's wrong with killing a baby at two years old? What's wrong with killing a baby at the third third trimester? Like, because it really does. If you think about it, it really doesn't logically matter. Oh well, you know, it's killing no, it at two years old, you know, that's way too harsh. Like, no one would ever do that. It's like, bro, you're killing it in the womb. Like, what's yeah. what's the difference? Like, yep. You know, if you if people can if they can make it legal, like people will get numb to it. Well, the, the government or whoever will sigh off you, you know, into thinking it's normal and it'll just be, it'll be okay. Yeah. But, you know, so that's what really took me down the journey of like, nah, like this is wrong. And I, this has to be wrong. Like, this is just awful, you know? So it's pretty crazy, but let's finish this video real quick. Sorry. I just got no, it's all good. No, no, no. We got, we got to talk anyway and not get copyright. And there was a great conflict or a great uh, uh, convergence it was the election of the autumn of 2016 the election for president donald trump versus hillary clinton this guy's good though he like connects different things and different dates and like he's not like a conspiracy theorist but he's like a very into like numbers and like borderline numerology numerology borderline yeah. more borderline but like he's not like he's not into that. well i mean he probably studies it a lot of the people see that's what like a lot of the leaders probably believe in numerology and stuff like that I mean, there's numbers mentioned in the Bible for a reason. Like, I don't think certain numbers being mentioned over and over in, like, certain ages and, like, lines and how many tribes. Like, it's all very specific in the Bible. So I feel like there is something to certain numbers. But I wouldn't put, like, my faith into it or, like, be like, oh, this person's born here. So, you know, yeah, it's once, you, once you put it in the stars, once you're like, oh, this number, this is your star, then it's like, I'm going to cut that off. Like, I don't, I don't entertain that. Yeah, but it's like not law. Definition. Yeah, like I think like rising on the third day, like Jesus was thirty-three years old, like mm -hmm. um, rest on the seventh day, like lucky number seven. Like I think there's certain things that are just like numbers that are important. That you know, it's just deep. I love it. It's deep, but once you take it to like the next level, where you're like, oh, well, your stars. It's like, yo, chill. Yeah, God, God gonna guide me. I don't need all that goofy. And never before had the issue of abortion, the issue of bail, become such a brazen issue. For the first time in its history, the Democratic Party literally celebrated abortion at its convention and vowed to strike down every hindrance to abortion in America. This is the issue of bail. And so now it appeared at the time heading to the election in New York City, New York, which is the place of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Actually, they both were there in New York City on the night of the election. It's almost like a spiritual uh, warfare conflict over this, a dark warfare, because the forces that are for abortion are ultimately linked to bail. Now, in the paradigm, they mentioned two cities. I mentioned two cities linked to bail or abortion. One was New York City, and the other is Washington, D.C. See, these are the two capitals of Planned Parenthood. And it's also the one, New York, is where abortion was spearheaded for the nation, and Washington is where abortion was made the law of the land through the Supreme Court. Well, now they are planning to put up the Arch of Bail in Washington, D.C., the capital of America. Why now? We have another election coming up, the midterm election, which is going to be crucial and critical to the future on all these issues, abortion, religious freedom, of all these issues concerning believers. And right now is the issue of the Supreme Court, the very the very vessel that legalized abortion. Well, now there is, when I'm saying this well, right now, there is someone uh, who's the candidate for confirmation and all the forces that are for abortion yeah, are going. But yeah, dude, it's like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was the Arch of Bale was unveiled in New York City in 2016. Yeah, it's 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 pretty dark. Once you once you really get into it, including like the like the human trafficking, like organ harvesting, 
which is part of why they want to push abortion yeah. for big pharma to do like testing on these like human like you know they are human that's the whole point and also yeah. uh organ harvesting and yeah it's like it's just dark i'm like so based about it now like probably like a year and a half ago i would be like yeah i don't know like i don't want to like offend anybody or like now i'm like nah and especially like i had a friend that you know did that so now i'm like now i feel i have a lot of guilt because i like didn't say anything when she was gonna get it yeah and i could have said something so i'm like very like now i'm like nah i'm not i'm not holding back I, I I don't know this for a fact, but um, I just feel like there's a lot of trauma that women probably feel after getting one done. Like, yeah, because they feel guilty because they don't feel their spirit is like, nah, this was not okay, and I know it wasn't okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think so it's why, like I, I think it's conviction. Yeah. It's heavy conviction. Like you can, bro. They like I had an argument about this with somebody, and like they start yeah. manifesting. Like they literally start manifesting. Like. I'm like I, I gotta I, I gotta play you like a recording of like a girl getting mad at me, of me being like nah like I don't support abortion at all like any trimester killing baby like I went in right, and like she went bro like it was like demonic because she probably knows it's wrong but like deep down she doesn't want to admit to herself like that it's wrong, like yeah it's just wrong, Next. yeah and it's it, and it and it sucks and it, like it it does suck like you imagine you do something wrong. Then someone calls you out on it, and then you're just like, you, you don't want to admit to it because then you're like, dang, like I'm a bad person now. So like you just fight it. Of course, it. of course. But you know, it is. It's never too late, you know, to turn and go. You know, go. So like, it's not judgment. Like I'm not acting like I'm a perfect yeah. person when I say it. I think that that's what people think, right? Like they're like, oh well, you think you're so much better than me. Like it's like when people have conviction, a lot of the times they end up having those feelings of like wow like this person thinks he's better like he thinks he's so holy like nah no it's just, just you know yeah i mean and most of the time it's knowing from experience like we've messed up and knowing like there's a right path and a wrong path because most girls are like they know do they know like when your friend like that's in a healthy relationship and is open to having a baby she's like oh like i'm pregnant like you you say congratulations because you know what that means yep that means they're going to have a child. They're going to ha make a human that they're going to raise. Yep. So all of a sudden, when you're the one getting pregnant, maybe it's not under the best circumstances. All of a sudden, it's just a clump of cells. Yep. Yep. It just it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yep. So it's very uh it's very traumatic, it's very harsh, and a lot of the times it's like culture. Like when you say things that go against culture, mm -hmm. people don't like it. People don't feel good about it. People don't feel like your well changing changing someone's world perspective like worldview and their perspective um is kind of like a traumatic thing yeah i mean like, you have to you're undoing someone's base mm -hmm. or like how they view the world or their perspective on the world which i think you should do that many times i mean you can you can have certain things that you believe in you can think it's true or not true or be disproven i think that's important especially in college but they're not doing that in college mm -hmm. college they, is like they do this it's so weird because growing up, not even I don't even know where I got it from, but I've always tried to disprove my morals and beliefs. And then I had a teacher in like elementary school and was like, because we in like third grade, we learned like what morals were and what beliefs were. And then they were like, my teacher would always say, if you're not willing to challenge your own morals and beliefs, then they're not really morals and beliefs. 
And so that's Ooh. what I've always that's what I've always done was try to challenge them. And you know, if there's that's bars right there, yeah, so, that's facts though. Yeah, like why why wouldn't you? If if that's what you believe is true, why not challenge it? Yeah, like I used to I used to be afraid to do it. All right, it would it would convict me in the sense of like I would have a I would like in college like we we I took a lot of science classes mm -hmm. and like psychology classes and they would definitely like because obviously the per, uh, psychology professor more often they're not it's college in general they're going to be atheists they're going to have a certain worldview everything's a material world mm -hmm. um, so it it really hurt me because you see somebody that's smart saying you know, God's not real or this or that. And you start to think, well, this is the smartest person I know. If they're saying God's not real. Then that must mean that God's not real. Yeah. You know? Then you do, you go on your own journey and you realize like, it's not an intellectual thing because there's plenty of smart people, geniuses that believe in God. There's geniuses that don't believe in God. So it's not an intellectual thing. I think, I think it's more of a culture, faith, research, subconscious bias, like everybody has certain perspectives that may make them believe, yeah. make it convenient for them to believe or make it convenient for them not to believe. So yeah. it's a difficult thing. Everyone's got to go on their their own journey in life. So unless you're Amish. I don't know too much about the Amish. Well, they just, they do their own thing. They don't come from the rest of the world. Apparently they're like Christian, but like really Christian, like, mm. 100 years ago like live off the land type type vibes i didn't know they were christian i thought they were just like you know yeah. nomad types me too i thought they were just no technology <laughs> yeah no i don't know but well, even you that video today right uh was that you yeah, yeah. Like, one of the comments was like wait how does she have an iphone how does she have a phone i started dying i was like that's fair like I yeah she's supposed to be Amish. yeah i don't know they're confusing um, but all right, man, you got, you got any closing thoughts? Uh, Crisis King. That's all. Crisis King, Crisis King. Don't forget to like, subscribe. We'll catch you all next time. Peace.